Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what it tells us about your son and his life and his death and his resurrection. Lord, we thank you that it is based on reliable sources that we have these copies of your word before us today. Lord, we thank you that you have preserved your word for us. And Lord, we pray that you may give us your Holy Spirit's help as we try to understand who Jesus is and how he applies to our lives today. Lord, we pray that we may see marvellous things in your word as we examine it together this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I think we all recognise that you can learn a lot about someone by their conversation, by what they say in their words in ordinary conversation. And sometimes it may be better if we keep our mouths closed if we don't want people to find out about us. But when someone suffers, we also learn a lot about them by the way that they speak. So you can think of someone and you think you know them pretty well, but then when you see them in pain, when you see them suffering in some way, often a whole other person comes out. And I even recognise this in my own life each day. I'm not a morning person. And so when I first wake up in the morning, there's a different side of me that is revealed by my words. And so Jill and I have this agreement that we don't talk first thing in the morning. For about an hour, there is no talking, there's just silence as we move about the house. Because if I open my mouth, chances are things are going to come out that reveal another side of me which I would rather people not know about. And I think we recognise this as the case for most of us. Whenever we suffer, whenever we go through pain, another side of us can be revealed. And we see this with people in the, the Bible as well. They're very real when we examine them. People like the Apostle Peter. One moment he's saying, I'm going to die with you, Jesus. And then a few hours later, he's saying, I don't know the man. Why is that that Peter suddenly reveals another side to himself? Well, it's because of suffering, because he recognises that if I reveal that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I might die along with Jesus. And so another side of Peter comes out in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pressure. Now, when we come to Jesus, we can learn a lot about him by what he said throughout his life. Jesus spoke a lot. We have multiple Gospels to tell us what Jesus said throughout his life, and he spoke in sermons, like the Sermon on the Mount. He spoke in parables. And he spoke with dif at different times. He taught many things. He quoted from the Old Testament and explained it. And so we can see a lot about who Jesus is by the words he spoke throughout his life. But the question we then have to ask is, do we see another side to Jesus when he suffers? When he's hanging there on the cross, does another Jesus come out? He's all well and good throughout his life when he's not suffering in that particular intense suffering of the cross. But when he comes to the cross, do we see another side of Jesus altogether? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're actually going to look at the seven things that Jesus said while he was on the cross. And we're going to see if we see another side of Jesus. What do we learn about Jesus when we look at the words he spoke while hanging there on the cross. And so the first thing we're going to look at this morning is that Jesus is forgiving, and this is revealed by his words on the cross as well. Jesus is forgiving. If you want to follow my main points, 
They're listed there on the back of the church bulletin and so you can follow along. And that might be really helpful for you today because we aren't going to stay in one passage. We're going to jump around uh, throughout the Bible. And so I've listed my main points there, the passage that is relevant and also the page number to look up the verses for what Jesus said while he was on the cross. And the first thing we see is that Jesus is forgiving. And we see this in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, which is found on page 1046 of the Black Church Bibles. If you've got a Black Church Bible, I encourage you to open it up to page 1046 and we'll look at verse 32 through to verse 34. Luke chapter 23, verse 32, we read, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull... There they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Throughout his life, Jesus spoke a lot about forgiveness. He taught his disciples to pray a prayer called the Lord's Prayer today. And in that prayer, there is the line, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he spoke about how often we're supposed to forgive our brothers and sisters when they come and ask for forgiveness. We were supposed to forgive them up to 77 times, he says. We're meant to go on forgiving on a regular basis. So Jesus spoke about forgiveness throughout his life, but what about at his death? Does Jesus show a different side when he's dying to what he spoke about forgiveness throughout his life? Well, we see here in this passage that Jesus is still about forgiveness even as he dies, which is quite unusual when we consider it because I find it very hard to forgive at the best of times. I find that the best time to forgive someone is after a lot have, a lot of time has passed from the incident where someone has hurt me, someone has wronged me. Time heals old wounds. But here we see Jesus as he is being sinned against, as he is being wronged by these soldiers and the Jewish leaders that are gathered around the cross, what is he saying? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus is clearly all about forgiveness. He spoke about forgiveness throughout his life, but then even at the cross, while he's under pressure, he is still about forgiveness. Even as people are hurting him in that moment, he is seeking forgiveness for those people. He has a forgiving attitude towards those people. So firstly, we see that Jesus is definitely a forgiving person. What else do we learn about Jesus as he speaks on the cross? Well, my second main point is that Jesus cares about the future of others. Jesus cares about the future of others. And we see that in Luke chapter 23, verse 39. So go down a few verses in Luke chapter 23, and we'll read from 39 to 43. It says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Throughout his life, Jesus spoke a lot about the future of others, the future joy that people could experience, particularly eternal life that could be had. He spoke about this again and again. 
And here we see at the cross, Jesus still has a focus on eternal life for others. Even while he is suffering, he is concerned about the future joy of others, which isn't the attitude that I generally take when I am suffering. Uh, Kids are indeed a joy to have in the home, but at times they feel like also a bit of suffering has descended upon our household through having children present. And so Jill and I sometimes think about how can we relieve this suffering in some way? And that's where the public school education system comes in very nicely, as well as preschools. Uh, But also we are considering, when we're on holidays, how can we relieve ourselves of the burden of children to some extent? And so we have actually booked for the first time, we've wanted to do this for years, we've booked to go on a cruise. We did it a couple of weeks ago. We're going on a cruise in the middle of winter to the Pacific Islands where it will be much warmer. And one of the reasons I like the idea of going on a cruise, I can't even tell you which countries we're going to, but one of the reasons I like the cruise so much is not because of the countries we're going to, but because of the buffet that is there pretty much 24-7. The second reason I like the cruise so much is because apparently they have children's entertainment, kids' clubs, that run from 9 a.m. in the morning to 10 p.m. at night, and if you wish, you can have them looked after till 1 a.m., And so when I'm considering (laughs) my future happiness, I'm not so much confused, I'm not considering the future happiness of others. When I'm suffering, I'm considering my future happiness, not the future happiness of others. And so when I'm planning this trip, I'm planning it for my benefit, not necessarily for others. Now, I hope the kids will enjoy their programs and we won't put them in from 9am to 1am. I think that's just going a bit too far. But... I'm considering my future joy when I suffer. Whereas Jesus, he considers the future joy of others when he suffers. What does he say? I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. As he's hanging there on the cross, he is concerned about the future enjoyment of others, that this thief will experience the pleasures of heaven forever, starting from that very day. Jesus is a man who is concerned about the future joy of others throughout his life and also even while he is suffering and dying. But what else can we learn about Jesus from his sayings on the cross? Well, that brings me to my third main point. Jesus cares about the present of others. Jesus cares about the present of others. We saw he concerned about the future of others, but we also see that he's concerned about the present of others. Flip with me to John's Gospel, John chapter 19, which is found on page 1073. Page 1073, John chapter 19, verse 25. John chapter 19, verse 25, where we read, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. While Jesus was walking around Israel throughout his life, he was concerned about the present needs of others. How do we see this? Well, examples are the way that he healed people of physical suffering. Many, many different diseases. Jesus healed and eased people of those diseases and their suffering. 
Also, we see his concern for people's physical needs by the way that he fed the 5,000. He was concerned that they would have enough food so that they wouldn't collapse on the way home. He was concerned for people's physical needs. But what about when he's on the cross? Do we see a different side of Jesus emerge? Do we see someone who's no longer concerned about people's physical needs, he's only concerned about his own physical needs? Well, yes, we do see that he's concerned about the physical needs of others. Unlike myself, when I suffer, I'm concerned about my own physical needs. I want to relieve my hunger. I want to relieve myself of sickness. I'm not so much concerned about the physical needs of others. But we see here when Jesus is on the cross, he is concerned about the physical needs of others in that present moment. He's concerned about people's future, but he's also concerned about us in this world here and now. And we see that by the words that he speaks to his mother. Imagine Mary's predicament. We have no hint that Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father, is alive. And here her eldest son is being crucified. He is being executed as a criminal in the most shameful way that could happen in the Roman world. Her life could be in very danger itself, being associated with such a criminal. And she is watching her son die in a horrible way. What would have been going through her head is something we just cannot imagine. We can try to, but we can't fully understand how she would have been feeling as she's watching her eldest son die there on the cross. And yet Jesus is concerned about that. Even while he's going through that physical pain, he sees his mother and wants to provide for her in this world. He makes sure that someone is going to look after mum. He says to John, make sure you look after her. He says, here is your mother to his beloved disciple. And he says to his mother, here is your son. And so he's making sure that there is physical, present care for those he loves, even in this world. So we've seen that Jesus is forgiven. We've seen that he cares about other people's future and other people's present. What else can we learn about Jesus from what he says on the cross? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point. Jesus sacrifices himself for others. Jesus sacrifices himself for others. And we see this in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 27, page 988. Flip with me to page 988. Matthew, chapter 27, and I'll read from verse 45. Matthew 27, reading from verse 45, where we read, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Throughout his life, Jesus was indeed concerned about sin. He spoke regularly about the sin of people, and even when he suffered, he's concerned about people's sin and that sacrifice would be made for their sin. We've all sinned and we all deserve to be punished for our sin. How do we deserve to be punished for our sin? Well, the Bible speaks clearly about a place called hell as the punishment for our sin. 
What is hell like? Well, it's on a much larger scale, similar to what we do with our children when we put them in time out. Time out is a place where we put our children, which is generally a room in the house, their bedroom, we put them in time out so that they're deprived from good things around them that are happening in other parts of the house. That can be when we've got people over or other entertainment that happens in the living room that does not happen in their bedrooms because they do not have any sort of media uh, in their rooms, uh, no electronic devices in their room whatsoever. And so they're in time out, which is a, a, a place where they're deprived from good things. And it's a punishment that we impose upon our children. And that is what hell is like. It's time out but it's time out from everything that is good. Vastly different from the time out that we impose upon our children. Sometimes I wonder about sending children to bedrooms for time out because although there's no media in there, there's a lot of toys in their rooms. And sometimes you put them in time out and you go down and they're not particularly bothered by the fact that they're in time out. They're playing in their room and you think that this isn't particularly punishment at all. Hell is very different. There is nothing good there. And it goes on and on for all of eternity. We recognize that when we sin in this world, there are places that our society puts us into time out. The same with prison. It's a place of time out. But hell is vastly different. It is a place where we are deprived from all that is good. No friendships, no love. Nothing good that God gives is there in hell. And yet we see that while Jesus is suffering, he's still concerned about the sin of others and sacrificing himself for them. He's concerned about that punishment of hell and wants to make sure that people are relieved from that suffering. Whereas when I consider other people's punishment, I am not that willing to take it on my back. This is something that scares me about having children. Once you have children you become responsible for these people's actions, including the good things that they do, but also the bad things. And so if they put a ball through someone's window, who pays for that broken window? Who gets punished for the action of that child? Well, it's the parents that are punished. We can't tell whoever the window belongs to to go and talk to Joshua about it. Don't come talking to me. It's not what we understand to be the protocol. People come and talk to the parents. And I don't like that idea that I have to bear the punishment of others. But Jesus is interested in the punishment of others. And he is willing to go into time out here at the cross for many, many people to pay for their sins. That's what's being described when he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, God, why have you gone away from me and left me here at the cross? Why am I experiencing your wrath and not your joy as I've experienced from all eternity? And so here Jesus is cut off at the cross. He is concerned about sin throughout his life, but he's also concerned about sin in his death and seeking forgiveness of sins. He's seeking to make a sacrifice of himself for sin, and he does so. So we see, while Jesus is on the cross, that he's forgiving, he cares about the present and future needs of others, and he's concerned to receive punishment for others as well. What else can we learn about Jesus from his sayings on the cross, from what he says? 
Well, that brings me to my fifth main point. Jesus is human. Jesus is human. And we see that in John chapter 19, verse 28. Flip with me over to John 20, 19. Hopefully you kept a finger in there. Uh, it's found on page 1073. John 19, verse 28, where we read, Later knowing all that was all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Throughout his life, Jesus demonstrated that he is 100% human. He is fully human. He got tired. He slept. He ate. Jesus was human. But we also know that Jesus was revealed to be God by the scriptures as well. And so we could ask, well, when he suffers at the cross, is he really just using some of his strength and he doesn't really feel the pain that is going on? If we were to be crucified, it would be a whole different matter. Whereas Jesus, he's God. He can bear it. He can take that pain that is being dealt out to him. Well, here at the cross, we see by Jesus' words that he is demonstrating that he is 100% human even while he hangs there which is incredible because when I suffer, I'm eager to take whatever help I can get to get out of that pain. I love the fact of modern medicine with all its pharmaceutical products that it has produced, different painkillers, I will take them straight away. My wife knows she cannot just say to me, I have a headache and not have taken Panadol previously to that. If she's taken Panadol and then says, I have a headache, then I'll show some sympathy. If she says, I have a headache, and I ask, have you taken Panadol, and she says no, then she doesn't really get much sympathy from me because she should be taking the benefits that are available to her. And so we could easily think that Jesus is taking the benefits that are available to him in reducing the pain that he is experiencing there at the cross. But no, we see that Jesus once again is proving that he is 100% human here at the cross by the fact that he is thirsty. Why is this such an important point for Jesus to make? Well, it means that he is indeed a full sacrifice for our sins. We need another human to die on our behalf if we are to have payment for our sins made. We cannot have an animal die on our behalf. We need a human to die on our behalf. And the wonderful thing is that a human has died on our behalf, and that is Jesus Christ. And we see he is fully human there at the cross by the fact that he says, I am thirsty. If Jesus was not human, his payment for sin is not acceptable. Because how are we to then have our punishment taken away if it is not fully met in somebody else? And so here we see once again that Jesus is making clear as he did throughout his life, that he is human. But what else can we learn about Jesus from his sayings on the cross? Well, my sixth main point is that Jesus is victorious. And we see this in John chapter 19, verse 30. John chapter 19, verse 30, page 1073. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Throughout his life, Jesus spoke about the victory to come, that he would reign at the right hand of God. And even when he was dying, he was concerned to express that he is about victory. Whereas sometimes when I'm suffering, I'm just concerned about 
getting over the suffering and not talking about what's happened. I might get through a tough day and I get to the point where I say to Jill, just don't ask me about it. I'm victorious, yes, I got through the day. But I'm not going to claim that victory until tomorrow, after I've had some time to relax in front of the TV, maybe have something nice to eat and have a good night's sleep. Then I'll talk about what I achieved today. At the moment, I've just gone through too much. I just can't talk about it. Here Jesus is talking about what has been accomplished at the cross. Even while he is just about to die, he is talking about what he has come to accomplish and that is victory over sin. What does he mean by it is finished? It means the wrath that God has for sinners has been paid for. It is finished. The payment is finished. There is no more punishment to be met. It is finished. This is a victory cry of Jesus. And he spoke about victory throughout his life and now he speaks about it once more at the cross when it is indeed a victorious day, a good Friday. So we've seen that Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is caring about the present and future needs of others. Jesus is concerned to receive punishment for others as a human being and he is victorious over sin. What else can we learn about Jesus from his sayings on the cross? Well, there's one more, and that's my seventh main point. Jesus loves the Father. Jesus loves the Father. And we see that in Luke chapter 23. Turn with me back to page 1046. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. But I'll read from verse 44. Luke chapter 23 Verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Throughout his life, Jesus spoke a lot about his relationship with the Father, the fact that he loved the Father and the Father loved him. And even at the cross, Jesus is once again drawing out the fact that he is one who loves the Father, who trusts the Father, and is ready to commit his spirit, his life, into the Father's hands. Which is quite amazing given what has just happened at the cross. What has happened? God has been very, very, very angry towards Jesus. God has poured out the punishment that we deserve upon Christ. Jesus has been forsaken by God at the cross. And now that that is over, Jesus still comes to the Father and trusts him. Which is interesting compared to my life and my experience when I as a father get very wrathful towards one of my children. What is the reaction of my children once the punishment is over and I go to give them a kiss? They don't want to know me. They're not interested in me. They're angry that I've punished them, that I have been so mean as their father. And they don't want to trust me with anything. If they want to speak at all, it is to speak to mummy rather than daddy. Yet here with Jesus Christ, after God has been more angry than I have ever been with any of my children, Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
he still trusts the Father and hands himself over into the Father's hand. He is still in deep, deep love with the Father and commits his life into the Father's hands. So here we see that Jesus' words at the cross reveal a lot about what he was like. And we have to remember that that same Jesus is alive today. Jesus is still forgiving. He still cares about the future and present need of others. He still gives himself for your punishment. He is still victorious and he still loves the Father, which means you can be forgiven. You can have heavenly and earthly care. You can be victorious over human, over your sin over the punishment that you deserve for your sin and be brought into a loving relationship with the Father through Christ and his love that he shares for the Father. How does that come about? Well, it's by repenting of your sin, turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ. Like the thief did on the cross where he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That should be what we say to Jesus as well. Because that is a saying of trust on the thief's part. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. If you say that, if you trust in Jesus Christ's death for you, then one day when you're dying, you'll be able to say the same thing that Jesus said. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit because you know that the Father loves you and you love the Father and that you can hand your spirit over into his hands and you will be cared for for eternity to come. So I encourage you, if you have not repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, do that today. And if you have repented and believed in Jesus Christ, do you seek to remember how wonderful Jesus Christ is? He's far better than any pastor you could have, including me. He's far better than you yourself. Under pressure, he is the same Jesus Christ. Another side of him doesn't come out. We see who Jesus truly is throughout his life and his death. He does not snap under pressure. He is indeed a wonderful, wonderful saviour. Do you remind yourself of that when you look at his words throughout his life and then look at his words in his death? Are you in awe once again? of who Jesus is, he is like no other. And we should adore him for eternity to come, starting today. Do you adore him? Do you renew your love for Christ day by day? I encourage you to do so. And do that by looking at his word and what he says about himself and what he did. Let us come before our God in prayer. Let us speak with him again. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these words that we've been able to study today of Jesus as he hung on the cross. Lord, we thank you for your great love in sending him and we thank you for who he is. Oh Lord, it is so marvellous to know that he is forgiving, that he cares about our present and future needs, that he was concerned to receive the punishment that we deserve as a human and that he is victorious over sin and one who loves you dearly. Oh Father, may we love him dearly and love you, and be able to say with him, Father, into your hands we commit our spirits. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.